It's the Law and Business Podcast, hosted by Anthony Verna. We tackle the hard issues where law and business intersect to help you run a smarter business and avoid costly mistakes. Verna Law PC is an intellectual property law practice focused on trademark, copyright, advertising law, and domain name disputes. Contact Anthony at anthony at vernalaw.com. So welcome to the Law and Business Podcast. Jim, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Anthony. All right. I'm here with Jim Puerta, who is co-founder of the Nestor Group. How's my, how was my accent there in your last name? I, I like it perfectly. I, I like it phonetically correct. <laughs> I, I do my best despite not speaking Spanish. French, yes. Um, Italian, not so much. But uh... just, just use your hands. You know, Italian. <laughs> The curse of the Latin the races, you know, French, Italian, Spanish. So, Jim, tell us about the Nessa Group so everybody can well, get to Well, uh, the Nessa Group has been in, together for about three and a half, going on four years. Uh, we're advisors and consultants in, in most all disciplines, including helping to raise capital. Uh, and we're working with SMEs, so we stay in that particular space. Uh, we believe that... Uh, it's an underserved uh, space and industries when, they, when it comes to the smaller businesses. And we feel we can bring them advice and help that they need to survive. I think a lot of small businesses need a lot of advice. Yeah, yeah. For, it's, uh, for, for survival. Sure, sure. I mean, if, if you look at the uh, statistics, and I'm sure you and I will touch on it in a little while, um, it's amazing uh, the, the amount of startups that are, that are coming up in North America, the U.S., every month. And what's more astounding is the amount of failures that are coming out of it, um, which brings to mind the thing that when you look at these companies, they have the right product, even have some of the right targeted markets, but they're failing because of other more um, theoretical business structures that we set in business in this country or any country. And that's where their failure is. It's, it's the doing things that they don't really know how to do. Uh, and I'm sure you can appreciate it. You're a lawyer. I mean, people out there think they're Missouri lawyers. And I say, don't be a Missouri lawyer. You don't have a JD. You're going to get killed. Don't don't be a Philadelphia lawyer. Is it Philadelphia? I call it Missouri. Okay. It's stuck to me somehow. But but it, it, it's that it's that searching out for the right advice and the right help. I think it's important. So what what are some reasons that, that businesses fail? Well, uh, right now, the, 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 the research that we've done and, and the things that we do, we find that companies fail because in, improper management, uh, mm -hmm. people who are not really seasoned or knowledgeable of the areas they're taking. I mean, if you have a guy who's created a company because he has a certain expertise, I think he should always be the face of the company. Why would you force that same individual? Why would he force himself uh, to take on roles that he's not good at? and take away what he is good at. In other words, that's working to a person's weakness. I don't see the point of that. Um, I also think when they find themselves in those situations, uh, they look at it as, I need help right away. Let me get that. Let me get my cousin Anthony to come in and help me. Anthony, can you do this? I've never done that in my life, Jim. <laughs> well, that's okay. At least I don't have to do it. In comes in. So now the management's getting worse every single because, day. Because there's in inexpertise on top of inexpertise. Exactly right. It's layers. It, it just, it's just self-fulfilling prophecy. It's going to keep on going. Uh, you have the same situation in terms of failures uh, with some of the deals they make, funding deals with banks or private lenders or investors. You can see it in the deal that, that the deal is really not a favorable thing for them to be in, that they have nowhere to go but to lose. So a lot of times they don't seek help. 
get me out of this deal, get me out of this facility. Are, are, are you thinking of maybe the terms of a loan aren't quite quite right? Maybe the, the percentage is too high or the terms of the payback are too quick so that the capitalization or maybe a business is just uh, undercapitalized from, you know, with, with whatever financial deals are. are all the above. Okay. I think I think I think it's the best. All the above. I think, again, it's uh, the lack of, of knowledge, the lack of of perspective where they're trying to go, the lack of planning, which is also finds itself in those areas, uh, is, it hurts them. The other thing is inter communication. The communications to some of these companies that fail are horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not looking at their operations. They're not looking at their cost. They're not keeping a trigger or finger on what's my burn rate. And before you know it, they realize, you know, I'm, I'm spending more money than I'm making. Right. I'm, I'm selling this for $10, and it's costing me 15 Well, that's because that's not what they were grooming to do when they started the business in the first place. You need the guys that come in and say, you're really taking this to a place that you shouldn't. My worst of all of these, I'm going to tell you my worst, and I'm sure you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. My worst, it throws me back when it's listed as one of the bigger failures, is little companies that are doing well, that have gotten beyond those four or five things I just mentioned to mm -hmm. you, the growth starts happening, and they're not ready for it, and they have to fall because they can't meet the growth of their company. That's to me, is mind-boggling. There is so something so totally wrong there. When you're not prepared for that, uh, to me, that should be the first thing in the minds of people in the going concern is: suppose we get fifty thousand units ordered one month, and we're producing only ten. How right. do we survive here? And that happens much too often, and I think that's that's a, a failure. That's that's just not a good thing to do. Just not a good thing to do. One of um, one of my favorite business failure stories <laughs> comes from, unfortunately, a former client of mine from from years ago, who was looking for funding, and we spoke with somebody who was uh, a money person, and uh, you know we had him review what the product was, what our timeline was. And eventually he said, you know, the biggest problem wasn't really the product. The biggest problem wasn't really the timeline. The biggest problem wasn't any other contract that this company had. The biggest problem was that the owner of the company wanted the owner's name in every single slot of the organizational Oh, chart. sure. Oh, sure. That's right. That was the main problem. My name is there. That's all that matters. Yeah, I know. That's that, that, that ego thing that drives sometimes to, to bad mistakes. But, yeah, I've seen those. And you see that a lot with inventors. And I know you were in that business with trademarks. Inventors, when you're talking about whatever we, you and I might do, whether it be a patent, whether it be a trademark, copyright, it's like, that's my firstborn. Don't touch it. Sure. I said, no. You gotta, you gotta let me do my job here, okay? Please, I'm begging you, because your firstborn might not make a teenage years, we can't. <laughs> but it happens all too often. Well, one one issue that I often talk about is the need. I, I don't want to say the need to pivot because I don't think pivot's quite the right word. But from a branding standpoint, if uh, a company's brand has issues, and maybe it's because there's a third party that's challenging it. Or maybe it's because it's too descriptive, so it's not going to be a registered trademark with, you know, in a in a certain period of time. If there needs to be a change, a lot of small businesses really fall in love with with a particular trademark, 
and trying to to say you know maybe the best business judgment is not fighting it because it's going to cost you know 10x to fight it but maybe changing it is better because it's going to cost 0.5x you know (laughs) and so you're dealing with 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 a, a big gigantic you know leap but from that yes that ego sense from that falling in love with with a certain sure. sense it it just really hurts Absolutely. and that a business might spend more money than it really can afford to over its brand absolutely right and they do it much much too often that goes on you, you and i had name to be remain unmentionable but you, <laughs> always, you and i have always an, you and i have an example of, of that situation that we would we know together so absolutely absolutely so we we're we're coming out of the great recession uh, some some economists say we're still in it some economists say we're out of it the economy is looking better now than it did uh, how our businesses um, still not capitalizing properly how are businesses still failing now that the economic outlook is is different well it's interesting that, that you would ask that question I, I've been always looking at it and, and trying to do some writing on it but I think the small, medium-sized enterprises mm. are the core to the stability of the recovery of this country. And I can give you information of what they were doing when all these big guys were, were, were killing the economy. <laughs> I think it's the little guys that really kept the economy going and didn't get worse. That's my belief, and that's what the numbers tell me. Um, I think right now, in addition to the help that I think these small companies need, uh, in terms of getting themselves in the right track and the right planning and the right decision-making process. They need help from government agencies. They need help from agencies that they've been out to all of small business agencies. Mm-hmm. They need real help. They need help that can give them a leg up when it comes to the financial stability of their companies. I don't think they get enough of that. Um, I, I think the banks, I mean, I remember the key word, and I use it in the piece that I wrote, Too Big to Fail, well, the banks are too big to fail, so we all chipped in and bailed them out, and thank mm-hmm. God a lot of them have paid. But, you know, uh, how are you helping a small, medium-sized guy? Are you really understanding the impact that they could have if their economy falls apart or what they're doing falls apart? You've got to take care of that. And I don't think we – it's a disservice to the SMEs in this country. And you look at the political environment right now, people running for office, people running for the highest office in this country – the first thing out of their mouth during their debates is entrepreneurs. Help and support entrepreneurs. Well, entrepreneurship, I, I don't want to say is the sexy way of, of making money, but it certainly feels like it's the sexy way of, of making money today. But but more so to the point of, of gee, how are, how are bigger banks helping? And I'd say I hear, I hear a lot of examples when I listen to small business shows about, you know, banks going through universities and helping, you know, the businesses through universities. But, uh, for example, my wife and I were just at a uh, startup event in New York City this past week. And for the angel, and there were just angel investors there. There were no banks there. And still, for every angel investor, there was probably 20 entrepreneurs, you know, or, or, or small small Absolutely. businesses, startups. Absolutely. And... The chances of of getting funding from the angel investors, the chances of, of getting some kind of interest from these angel investors, of course, is low to begin with. And when you're kind of doing a speed dating event for entrepreneurs, uh, it, it's really low, the chances in the long run of any one entrepreneur getting 
funding. I'm sure some will. Yes. Absolutely. But I'm sure more are going to be left off that off that table. And it, sometimes it feels like a feeding frenzy <laughs> rather right. rather than some kind of some kind of stable way of building small businesses up. Sure. Exactly right. Exactly. Right. You know, the, uh, one of the things I had mentioned you, when you were talking, uh, we talked about the survival at the beginning of the company. So I just want to point something out, which is re- relative to what we're trying, where the discussion is going. Um, when you look at, at the evolution of the SMEs, um, after two years, seven out of ten are out. Mm-hmm. Uh, after five years, half of that is left. After that, ten years, a third of it is left. In 15 years, a quarter. So meaning after 10 years out of 10 companies, two are still alive. Maybe. Sure. And, 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 some of, the, and one, of the two, some of them could be barely alive. And, and that reasoning and that those statistics is what leads to some of the stuff that you and I have been talking about. Or how do you uh, help that not to happen? How do you deter the ultimate consequences? Or how do you turn these statistics around? And, and that's, that to us is, uh, is the, the crust of what, we need to do how we need to help these folks and if we can so i mean part of that is why in intellectual property law uh you know trademark law which revolves around business if there's no business there's no trademark that's why there's a required filing between five and six years that's why the renewal happens and then another five years after that in year 10 because gee the amount of businesses that are around at those points keeps going down and therefore having Having something in the in the patent and trademark office that's reserved space for a dead company sure. makes no sense whatsoever. So we make sure that the, that gets weeded out sure. at years five and ten. Sure, exactly right. Um, I just I just I wanted to make mention when we talked about the beginning, and, and, I, and I said to you about the the whole idea of the contributions that were being made. Uh, and, and we're being looked at uh, during the beginning, the 207, 208 mm-hmm. session, when uh, that word came up for the first time, the phrase, too big to fail. Uh, the, the companies that were working to prevent it, to help you, to help our economy, is, is mind-boggling for the SMEs. Uh, I'm going to read some of this to you, so I don't want to subject it to memory, but... Companies, startups, and growth, 28.4 million companies, of which 200K were designated as medium-sized companies, evolved during that very period when the big guys were getting hammered and couldn't come up with any money and the taxpayers were carrying their freight. Uh, over 50% to 150 million of the working population works in small businesses, and an additional 44.5 million work for medium-sized companies. That's a, a hell of an employment grouping. 82% of the medium-sized firms survived the dark years of 2 or 7 to 8 compared to 57% small firms. Again, the medium-sized who mm-hmm. started as small, moving up the ladder with help. As, as the old saying goes, if you want to start a business, do it in a recession. Exactly right. <laughs> it, it's where the openings are. Uh, during the Great Recession and ongoing recovery, small businesses created 60% of new jobs. Medium-sized firms added 2.2 million new jobs during the same period. Uh, and forgive me for but this, but this stuff to me is so relevant in what we're trying to do as a firm. Uh, in 2010, the medium-sized firms increased employing by 3.8% compared with a growth of 2.5% by small firms and 8% by big businesses. 0.8%, not even 1% coming out of the big business sector. Uh, in 2012, medium-sized companies' average revenue growth was 7% after three quarters of decelerating growth. So that means they they did a spark at that particular mm-hmm. incident. 
and approximately 500,000 new small businesses are added monthly, which is the thing we started this conversation with. Unfortunately, we also talked about how many fail. So, sure. uh, out of 50, uh, out of, out of uh, 500k, you're looking at probably less than maybe a thousand or 1,200. So you're looking at a big downfall there. Um, but I think that that the way the economy is, is is going and the way the states are trying to motivate themselves with SMEs, particularly. Um, I think it's the way for this the growth to take place uh, as the statistics change and keep on uh, being reevaluated. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to find that a lot of the employment that we're seeing right now, which without five point something percent lowest in umpteen years, is coming from some of these SMEs. It's just we're not looking at, it, but a lot is coming from these guys. Jim, what do you think government can do, if anything? I mean, I'm going to fully admit that I'm a total cynic and skeptic when it comes to government actually helping smaller businesses and I think government's uber inefficient I mean we could look at what Rhode Island did with uh, the Kurt Schilling software company and how all that money is now missing Uh, you know as as I would say one example but how can how can government help small businesses keep growing into medium-sized businesses well the first thing I would say is uh, don't try to manage these small companies (laughs) We don't want that to happen. What we do need is, is, is programs. How can I We need programs that actually become, I mean, you have things like SCORE out there. Mm-hmm. You have firms like the Nessa Group out there. That's all fine and well. I mean, SCORE is, is a free way of getting good advice, mm-hmm. and I, I'm an advocate of it. I don't think you should run away from them. Uh, I don't think we're in a competitive stage, though, because some of the stuff we do is stuff that they would never do. But the government needs to create ways that if, in fact, small businesses can be given the credit for the stability, if any stability took place during these past umpteen years, Mm -hmm. then uh, my philosophy is let's help them like we decided to help the larger companies. Create programs that are not over-aggressive because some of these programs create a paperwork volume that's beyond what any small company wants to deal with. But they can certainly help in kind of looking for inroads and finding ways that these companies can, can be more prepared for the markets they're trying to penetrate. They can help us with bank supports. I think the government could say if it's a small business that meets these particular levels of, 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 of lending or credit, then we will support it to some kind of government paper. That's that's doable. It's, it's done in many other industries. I mean, right. uh, AAG, how much money did we give those guys? Those numbers were off the charts. But I think the banks right now, because the interest rates are so low, are really not helping the SMEs. Why would they? It's a business call. If you're telling me that I'm going to give Anthony and Jim this kind of money and I'm going to get 1% interest where I can get 10% with another facility sure. or another product, why would I do? Why would I help Jim? I like them. They're great guys. <laughs> but what, I'm a businessman. I'm sure. here to make money. So I think the government needs to do the things that they're capable of doing short of not interfering in their business. That's when it gets tricky. Do you have any tips for small businesses to help themselves? Yeah, I, I do. I think the tips that I would recommend is that they look at their management, work on their business plan, think about their business plan. If they don't have one, they should have one. They should lay it out. It's necessarily something that's chipped and granted. People think, well, if I do this business plan, everybody's going to think I can't. No, no. It, it's, it's a guide. It's like writing a map. Maps change. You get better trails. But you need to do that 
to be prepared for the ups and downs that your business will face. You find programs out there that permit you to go and get help from them. Go do it. Go do it. Don't hesitate. Uh, and it's not just the networking. I mean, you and I would say networking is great. But a small business guy saying, if I go there and sit in that location for two hours, that's two hours that I'm not working my business. I get that. Especially if they think that that network group is not going to be a <laughs> client-based. But go learn whatever you can. Make sure you have the right finances. Make sure you have the right management. If you can't afford the right management, you can't afford advisors like the NASA group, mm -hmm. there's ways. Go to the universities. Look up intern programs. Within the intern programs at the university, they have different programs for kids that are business majors, accounting majors, who you can get your hands on. And they're bright kids. And you just need to get away from the fact that you need to be out there selling whatever you have as a product. You don't have the skill set to do what I'm asking you to do. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. By the same token, I couldn't go out there and sell what you're selling. <laughs> I get that. I, I chose my field. Uh, and I think that's the help that they should seek and seek it all the time and, and, and look for people who are willing to help them. Because if not, you know, uh, they will tend to have the failure rates will continue. And I don't believe we can afford that level of failure rate in SMEs. I, I think SMEs are uh, the backbone of this country. That's why I say when I talk about the AAGs, when I talk about these companies that we labeled and gave them that title too big to fail, uh, I always end my conversation. So now that I've told you about SMEs, I've told you what they contributed, what they continue to contribute, don't you think they're too big to fail? That's philosophy that I have to carry because I believe that. As a sector, it's it's a very big sector. Yeah. And yes, there's a high failure rate. Yeah, much too high. <laughs> Jim, thank you very much. You're going to be coming back? I'm going to be coming here all the time. You're going to have all to right. say, leave, I don't want you here anymore. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity to convey my thinking on what's going on. I appreciate it. Thank you very no much, problem, Jim. Talk to you soon. Okay. This has been the Law & Business Podcast. Visit VernaLaw.com for more episodes. To contact Verna Law PC, send an email to anthony at VernaLaw.com or call 914-358-6401.